1: So about eight years ago, my guest on this week's show put out a memoir titled, I Don't Know What You Know Me From, Confessions of a Co-Star. Since then, she has appeared in huge franchise films like Jurassic World, Ant-Man, and Halloween Kills. But I will always know her as kitty sanchez on arrested development
2: can we please have one conversation that's not about my rack michael yeah. maybe a better question would be what evidence do i have against you because i'm oh, no
1: no no no. i don't i don't i don't want to know i just want to know uh, what you want
2: i'd like to be in charge of the blues company
1: well i want a hamburger and french fries but i can't have the bun or the potatoes get real
2: i deserve it your father promised it to me on the day he went to prison <sighs>
1: Sounds like something that he would do.
2: And if I can't be in charge, then I'm going to have to tell the entire world that your father was building houses overseas without well, hold, 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 paying. Just, just,
1: stop! 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 Actually, no, finish. Finish. Um, without paying what? Taxes?
2: Model houses, Michael, overseas, and he hid it from the U.S. government.
0: That's it. That's what my dad's been hiding: back taxes.
2: And unless you plan on paying them, your dad's gonna be in prison for a long.
0: No, we'll pay them. Forget it. We'll just, we'll mortgage a company if we have to. We found money for those. We'll find money for taxes.
2: Good to see you. Yeah. If I was in charge, that would have been my first move, too.
1: This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Judy Greer with Jason Bateman in one of her many perfect scenes from that iconic show. Of course, Arrested Development is just one of Judy's more than 150 acting credits on IMDb. You might know her from rom-coms like 13 Going on 30 and The Wedding Planner, or Oscar-nominated dramas like Adaptation and The Descendants, or you may recognize her voice from the animated series Archer, on which she has spent 14 seasons playing the profane secretary, Cheryl Tutt. Now, Judy has taken on one of her biggest roles yet, in the new Hulu sitcom Reboot, alongside Keegan-Michael Key, Johnny Knoxville, Rachel Bloom, Paul Reiser, and others, as the star of a 90s sitcom who is exiled from Hollywood for 15 years before returning to revive the role that made her famous. It's a really funny show, and for me at least, Judy is the funniest one in it. We talked the morning after their big premiere party and got into so many of the highlights from her insanely prolific career. So let's get to it. Here's me with Judy Greer. Well, yeah, so you uh, you just had the premiere in L.A. last night?
2: Yes. How did that go? It was really fun. I mean, it's always a treat to see something on a giant screen that's only really supposed to be on television. <laughs> um, you know, like that's a fun thing about doing a premiere of a TV show. Uh, it's also fun to hear it with an audience because you know, we're all in a little vacuum. So hearing everyone laugh was really fun and gratifying. Were there moments
1: that got laughs that were sort of bigger than expected or anything that, that surprised you?
2: Um, <laughs> uh, there was moments that people didn't laugh at that I was surprised <laughs> 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 but, I mean, like, I think personally that this show is so smart that it's layered that, like, I think people admit like, yeah,
1: the jokes go, the jokes go by pretty fast. Yeah.
2: Yes. Like that's kind of what I mean. So like, I, I'm like, Oh wait, they're laughing. They're going to miss the funny part. Yeah, with the yeah. bags. Like I know <laughs> yeah. um, they laugh over
1: the, the big joke.
2: So I think that, um, yeah, I think it'll, everything's going to kill. I'm really confident about it, but yeah, that is a funny phenomenon. So I think like, I think it's the kind of show that if you like it, you'll probably want to watch it more than once because you'll, you'll miss stuff.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So we're talking now that you had the premiere last night as we're talking, the show premieres on Hulu today, but by the time people hear this, people will have been able to see at least a few episodes. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a really funny show and it's just so exciting to see you, you know, in this, uh, in this lead (laughs) role on a show. Um, did you, did you audition? How did you end up, uh, working on this show?
2: I was, they reached out to me about it. Um, Steve Levitan reached out to my team, uh, and I had a zoom meeting because that's what we do now. Also, I was shooting the thing about Pam in new Orleans at the time. So I had a zoom meeting, um, and I, I'm like, it's only eight episodes, which is like the at the time I was, I knew sometimes when I'm going into a TV show situation, I like to ask around about the other actors because, you know, you don't, you could be spending a lot of time with these people. And I'd already worked with Paul Reiser on a show called Married for FX. And I'd already worked with Keegan-Michael Key um on a movie called Playing with Fire with John Cena. So I didn't really feel the need to like check up on, cause I was like, I know they're <laughs> awesome. And I had a really great meeting with Steve Levitan and Danielle Stockdeck. And so I just was like, I'm going to do it. And, um, I felt like, like so confident going into this that it would be a rewarding experience. Like beyond, like if it was a successful show, I think at this, phase in my career I'm looking for education and fun and um people to like lovingly challenge me to be better and do better and and I'm like looking for collaboration more than I'm looking for like star hit money like (laughs) like that's a lot of the um that's what drives me these days and I'm like next level grateful that i can even use that as those things as criteria that have gotten to the point where i can do that and um if you're gonna do a comedy you might as well start at the top with Steve levitan
1: <laughs> yeah you i i had seen um i had kind of forgotten but then i went back and looked and you were on an episode of modern family yeah, i think it, early it was on. in 2010 yeah um and playing uh phil's ex-girlfriend right Uh uh-huh okay this is so long i
2: know it's way more exciting when she's in the room no i I still have my cheerleader outfit
0: so do i but this still can't happen when did that break
2: why are you working out i never was in all those things you wrote on facebook how was your day my neck is so sore
0: why do people keep adding voices to these things i didn't mean anything you're
2: telling me that i wasted a year of my life on this relationship what relationship how many other women have you let on no i don't know that was early on in modern family and the vibe on set was just like so fun so chill so funny that it yeah i was i left there thinking like i want to do more of that maybe they'll have me back um so I assumed that this would be the same that, that he would create. He would surround himself with people and surround us with people that would create exactly that kind of environment, which it was. It was really fun. And like, you know, from making a television show, I just never felt stressed out. Sometimes you feel kind of stressed out. Like, like. but I also take on too much. I need to...
1: What, what causes that stress? <laughs> like, is it going to be good?
0: Or yeah, is it, are you doing a good job? Or yeah,
2: what? like are the scripts funny or are the characters distinctive? Like, like, are we, are we hitting all the jokes? Like, could it be funnier? Could it be better? Like there was just an element of, in my, in my opinion, maybe other people would disagree, but in my opinion, it was like, we all trusted so completely Steve and the writer's vision that people ask us a lot during the junket, like, we're saying a lot of improv on set? And like, the thing is like, <laughs> when something's well written and you trust your showrunner like you don't have to so while i know it's exciting to think that we're all there just like trying to one-up each other like (laughs) those are not always those are the stressful situations for me sometimes where i'm like shit it's not there like what are we gonna do today Ah." like um
1: you've been in that situation before where they were sort of like leaning on you to figure out what was funny about it
2: I've definitely been like, you're funny. You'll make it funny. And I'm like, that's not like totally my job. It's like partially my <laughs> job, but also like, but also not completely my job. And so on this, um, you know, I, like my memories, we didn't really do much improv. We did often, we, we always had either Steve or one of the other writers on set. And so they would come in and throw alts at us, like, Ooh, say this, but like, but that is all part of like this collaboration that I'm telling you about that. Like I'm searching for now where it's like it doesn't feel like it's hanging on our shoulders weighing on us to make it funnier better
1: well I think your character of, of Brie is so distinctive and you're so funny okay. in the role Thanks. um and can you talk a little bit about who she is and how you kind of found your way into playing this circumstance
2: how many episodes have you seen have you seen all? Of I've them? seen the whole
1: season yeah <laughs> oh, okay yeah.
2: good okay good Because if I'm being honest, um, I was a little like, I'm going to say curious going into playing Brie. I didn't, I didn't know what to hang on to. And so just to give you some background. So Brie Marie Jensen, um, she is coming back to reboot step right up, which is probably what put her on the map 15 years ago was when the show was canceled. She, uh, she was on like some weird, shitty, creepy, low budget sci-fi TV show for a hot second. And then married a Duke in a Scandinavian town and flew away and has been like off the grid for 15 years, but like in a fancy way. Um, (laughs) and, 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 And actually that was something like uh, before we started shooting that Steve and I did talk about that we collaborated on is like, is she like a dumb, like, is she coming back? Like, I don't know what cell phones are, or is she coming back? Like, like this sort of glamour puss. I don't know. I think we found a happy medium because I was like, well, I wanted to be like a little out of it, but I also wanted to look cool. I was
1: like... (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I do like that. She's, she's not just like a dummy. She's in on the joke a lot of the time and sort of like playing with the other. She's, she, she hangs with the guys in a way that is almost surprising in some ways, I think.
2: Yeah. They find um, their, their common ground, like their rapport and shtick, like very quickly, the three of them. Um, So she's coming back to do this. She needs this. She's, Going through a divorce, she's divorced, divorcing. Uh, she has nothing. She has no money. Basically, has no home. She has no friends. <laughs> she has no life. Um, and and something that um, I'm stealing from some of the speeches that were made at our premiere last night that, <laughs> that uh, I forgot about is that it is a show about second chances for all of these people. Um, and that is, I think the the grounding theme that keeps this from just being too like kooky and crazy and broad is that we all need this so badly. Um, Brie needs this because she doesn't have anything else. She doesn't have any other life. She doesn't have any other money. Like this is her last chance. And so going into these eight episodes, I think I was trying to figure out like what you and I were just talking about. Like, what does she know? And what doesn't she know? Is she in on the joke? Isn't she like, like where do her insecurities lie? And I was sort of grasping at things. And I found myself asking Steve a lot of questions. Like, where does she live? What kind of car does she drive? Like, how does she get to work (laughs) in the morning? And he was like, Oh my God, Judy like I, I know i'm driving you crazy and i never think of like, you
1: don't need to know
2: that yes he's like who cares i'm like i can't, i care i need to know where i sleep at night and i never think of myself as being that kind of actor but as i was like putting this character together in my mind and we kind of got shot out of the cannon we just start you know and that's another thing in doing television which is like pros and cons is that you don't really get a script ahead of time like doing a movie obviously you get the script and you work on it and you're like okay here's my decisions and then i would get like a script for episode two and be like, wait, what? You know, like like so and they're like,
1: and we're shooting it now.
2: Yeah. So um, so I was always asking him in the beginning these questions, and I mean like, I-, I don't know, she doesn't drive to work, she walks. Okay, oh, oh, well, that's interesting. So she's walking yeah, in you know, these that, high that heels ch- That changes and he's everything. Like, and he's like, I don't know. Um, so so these are the things I was like wondering about and putting together for her and I was realizing that like as Judy is grasping and putting this character together like Bree is grasping and putting her character together and trying to figure out what she wants to present to these people that she hasn't seen in 15 years that are essentially like saving her life and how does she want to present herself to the world now again and and so all that stuff really works I mean I get like like I just think sometimes when in doubt, it's good to put my character where Judy is, and then it will be more honest. So I was like, okay, if I'm figuring this out, Brie is figuring this out and we're going to figure it out together. And hopefully you could see in watching our first season that there is like, there is a nice evolution and that she is experimenting with who she is. And she is figuring out who she is and she's trying new things and she's succeeding and failing and losing herself and finding herself all at the same time. But there is a level of comfort with these people that I think feels like a kind of home for her that she hasn't had in a really long time. Oh, you mean how they canceled our show because you quit to go and do a movie that nobody saw? I mean us. I got back from a location. You left the country
0: to marry a duke without so much as a goodbye.
2: We were broken up, remember?
0: We broke up all the time. Bree, we got back together, we broke up. It's something we did. I do
2: not care? To you, I was always just some stupid small town pageant girl who didn't go to college.
0: How can you say that?
2: Because you were always giving me acting notes. I gave you notes to help you. Well, if I needed so much help, how come I was nominated for a People's Choice Award and you weren't?
0: Because the people fell for your contrived little snort laugh
2: or because you were overacting
1: yeah i mean i was reading another interview you did and one line that you had that that stuck out to me was you said the big difference between you judy and this character brie is that brie hasn't worked in 15 years and you haven't had a day off in 15 (laughs) years so it is this very different experience um that the two of you have as, you know, Hollywood actors, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the world shut down for COVID and I, I like, like I remember we went, it was a Sunday night. I'm in Los Angeles and, and they were like, everything's shutting down tonight at midnight. Right. And so my husband and I walked to the corner, which um, is this restaurant called Osteria Mama, which is our local place. So we walked to the corner and we sit there and we're having our favorite pasta, our favorite salad, glass of wine were like, oh my God. And the people who own it were like, oh my God. And I came home, we walked through the front door, shut it, locked it, turned and looked at my house. And I was like, what is this place? Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be here for who knows how long, like maybe two weeks. It turned out to be like a year. Like, like, And I think like that, like Brie coming to work was the, you know, the opposite of that. Like, okay, like, well, what do I do? I'm here. I'm working. I'm around people. I'm, I have to talk. And uh, yeah, I, that was our opposite experiences, Judy and Brie. But yes, she, um, she is hitting the ground running and I could use a vacation, but,
1: <laughs> um, well, as we said, this is sort of like, it is sort of like your well, it's not your first leading role on TV because you've had them, but this is a big show and it's and it's new and you've you have kind of have this thing that follows you around, the best friend thing, and it's in the headlines of you know yeah. all the interviews. I think with any luck, we can keep it out of the headline for the interview that uh that accompanies this uh, episode. Thank you. Um, but I am curious about how you think about that, and does it. Bother you that that still is a thing when people talk about you have your feelings on it evolved at all, or did it used to bother you? I can't I, uh,
2: I think it only bothered me in what it implied to people that like or maybe this is my projection, but like you're the you're the bridesmaid, not the bride, right? like and that's kind of what I think the implication is. and the implication is that I've been unhappy that I've been the runner up that I've gotten the silver medal in my career and never the gold. And, um, and that's not true. Like I, I would, I would want my own career if I was starting out in this business. And I was telling someone last night, um, at the party, I was like, yeah, like I can still go to target. And when I fly myself, I buy a coach ticket because I'm not buying a person. Like I was saying something like, (laughs) like I can do all that stuff. (laughs) Um, and, and have like a real life. Like I can go to restaurant. I don't know. I think what I've managed is awesome. And the, and the thing that's been fun as time goes on and as I continue to work and I get older and And the parts that come to me are getting more and more interesting. And I never had to be like, oh, I can't be the lead anymore because I'm in my 40s. I mean, first of all, that's changing for, I think, a lot of all actresses. But, you know, that's never been an issue for me. Like, I haven't had to really worry about that. And when people talk about me being the lead in this, I mean, look, I'm going to take that. If that's a compliment, I think people think it is for me this feels very much like an ensemble and it is it It is is. so so i feel like i'm doing a disservice to my cast members of reboot being like right isn't it great that i'm a lead (laughs) because none of us are we're it's an ensemble show um but if that if if what people are saying when they say I'm the lead is that I look attractive in this, then like <laughs> sometimes I'm like, are you just saying that because like I have a, like really pretty hair and I look pretty and I'm wearing cool clothes? <laughs> like you look like the lead. I look like the lead. I think that's what it is. And 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 we're still like you know we're still tweet like trying to tweak what we're looking for in the lead i don't know that's probably another podcast but yes like you look at me in a picture and you're like she's the star of the show but i don't think necessarily that that is true in this case thank yeah, god by I the mean, way because who wants the whole show resting on their shoulders
1: pressure exactly. <laughs> um you know it's interesting. you mentioned the sort of the issues with aging as a lead and, and that, because that is something that the character is dealing with as well. Yes. Um, like in that moment where she's really pushing back on the idea that they want her to play a grandmother. Yes. I think the line is, she says, it's the last stop before law and order judge, which I love. <laughs> I love
2: that too. There's so many funny lines like that and like that one. Oh God. Anyway, yes, I know.
1: So was that something that you, you know, have, you feel like you haven't had to deal with in the same way that she's dealing with it in the, in the show or how do you, think about those opportunities um you know changing for you.
2: Well, I think yes, I think I deal with it. Um mostly in that I have attached myself to different projects that are in development that have been in development for so long that I'm like I think I'm too old to play this role anymore. <laughs> like I think I've aged it myself goes on out for of so this long. Yeah, like if we don't make this soon like I don't think I'm your girl anymore. Um woman. Uh but Um, the, you know, the thing is like aging in in showbiz, it's, it's no big deal. It's like, there's never not a story to tell. There's a story to tell for every age that every person is in every life. That's if if people
1: are willing to make those stories,
2: that's the thing. It's the, it's the conception, you know, it's like, it's like, well, the public doesn't want to see X or the public doesn't want to see Z or Y. And like, like, but I think that they do, you know, and I, um, and I don't know, I remember a long time ago and I, and I don't even remember which role it was, but it was like the first time I think I got cast as a mom. And I was like whining to my dad on the phone. I'm like, now I'm a mom. And he was like, yeah, but like, think of all the roles that now have opened up for you as, as a mom, like think of all the great mom roles out there you'll get to play. And I was like, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's I mean, that's me a cool. really good way to look at it.
2: You <laughs> know, he's a sweetheart, and and like I thought, like well, that is true. And then there's going to be great roles to play for every stage of my life. So I don't know. I think you know we're we're working in general. I think on ageism, people are always going to want to look at beautiful people and young people. And as long as we continue to prize youth and beauty in our culture, like that's always going to be something that actresses my age and over are going to be up against. But, you know, I think if if we're good at our job and we're telling good stories and people promote what we're doing, I think it, it will be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um well I mean you're as as you said you're sort of working more than ever and you're yeah. not only in this show but you're in these huge franchises and all these things. Yeah. I do want to talk about, you know, sort of the beginnings of your career and and some earlier stuff too. Um you know, you mentioned that now you're not as worried about being the the star and you're not that's not what you're looking for, you're looking for these collaborative experiences. What were your goals do you think when you started acting when you when you were just starting out in the business? Uh,
2: made me think i had a shot was uh i watched this movie called citizen ruth with laura yeah. dern it was one of alexander payne's maybe his first movie and yeah and laura dern was in it and she's so i mean she is so incredible she was so good in that movie and she was like dirty and messy and yucky and like you know played down her looks and there was something about that movie and that story and that performance that I just thought like, oh, maybe if I could do stuff like that, I would I would want to I would maybe have a shot. Like that's a person I feel like I could I mean look, I had no idea that she was Hollywood royalty. And and also like (laughs) I didn't know who she was. I was just like a kid in theater school, like watching this movie. And I was like, oh cool. Like that's more what I look like than like Julia Roberts. Like I'm more like that. And so I think from a young age, I was able to identify like, Oh, I'm not going to be like, like, I know, you know, I'm not going to be like a Julia Roberts or at the time, you know, like Cameron Diaz or something like I, I'm going to have something that's like a little bit off or a little bit different. Um, the way I look and the way my voice sounds and all of those things that make me, me, um, and ironically, at theater school, which I loved my experience in theater school and I loved my school, but they did try to pull a lot of that out of us. And they try to just, you know, oftentimes make you into this like empty vessel that you can like fill with the character. I'm making those words up, but that's how it felt. I'm not quoting anyone there. And uh and I felt like what what was more what was more appreciated about me when I moved to LA and started auditioning was like what was Judy. And that's kind of what I saw in that performance of Laura Derns and Citizen Rose. And so so I guess my answer is yes to both. Like I did think that roles like that would be more available to me maybe than they were, but, um, I also thought like, Oh, well, I'll, maybe I will like be able to be a star in that way. Um, or be the lead in that way. And that has taken me through like my career, like probably this amount of time, but like,
1: you feel like you're just getting to that, Point now in a way?
2: In some ways, I've gotten some really I've done some really cool independent movies um, this summer and I've had some really cool acting experiences and I really like have fallen in love again with actually acting, like kind of through reboot and just getting to just be like funny and do like comedy, just like a straight up comedy, and and I missed doing that I really missed doing a comedy and then I went and did like two pretty intense independent movies where I got to star in them and and tell these great stories hopefully the world will be able to see you never know um and I'm superstitious like they'll totally come out but uh (laughs) anyway so I've gotten to really like stretch myself as an artist and and like and I just feel like right this second like extremely fulfilled
1: Coming up, Judy and I go deep on Arrested Development, including the very first scene she shot with Will Arnett, her memories of working with Jessica Walter, and her reaction to all of the drama that went down behind the scenes.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
1: If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversations with Arrested Development's David Cross, Michael Sarah, and Tony Hale, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now back to Judy Greer. You know, I think the thing that I really noticed you in, in a big way, and I'm, I think is probably still the thing that you might be recognized for the most is Arrested Development um, yeah. and playing Kitty, which is, you know, not one of the regulars on the show, but is a, no. a pretty uh, role that had a lot of uh, that, that people really took notice of. Um, and you mentioned it sort of in conjunction with the, with reboot in, in the way of the comedy and how fast it is. And, did it feel like a different kind of comedy to you at the time when you were doing it at, fir- at the first? <laughs> yeah, uh, in that first season,
2: it did because I don't remember ever getting scripts. Like I was like, oh, really? they would call and be like, "Can you work tomorrow? Um, we're putting you in a scene." Like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure, totally." Um, so it felt like really like kind of crazy and lightning in a bottle, magical when we were doing it and it was my first experience really where you had like these two like handheld cameras all the time shooting everything all the time so you really could say anything do anything they were catching everything so it wasn't like rehearse a scene shoot the wide go in for coverage it was like it was if I can if I'm remembering correctly it was sort of my first experience with that kind of like documentary style where you're like where you can just like go crazy, like you're on a stage and they're going to get it. And, and that was very freeing and very fun. And, and when we were shooting at Culver studios, I think it was the first season in the writer's room, I think was like upstairs. And there was this like speaker so mitch Hurwitz had a feed up to the room so he'd be like writing or working up there and then he'd be like judy say like you would just hear this voice like, <laughs> judy. he could hear you guys and then yeah he, just he was chime like in. watching the feed on a monitor <laughs> and he'd be like do it like this or say this or like take your shoe off and throw it or whatever the fuck and uh and you'd be like god <laughs> um <laughs> That's my memory of the early days. Really, only supposed to do one. Yeah, they called me to do this one scene.
1: What was the first scene that you?
2: It was the glasses off, glasses on, hair up, hair yeah. down.
1: That's a, it's a classic. I love that scene.
0: Glasses off, glasses on, hair up. Glasses off, down on. Have we done up off? Oh, Jill, this is so wrong. And bright, wrong. Right. Brighter. God. You know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to wash up.
2: I, I think I'm going to go with, with down and off. And it was funny because they were new and they were just shooting their first season. And I was off to go shoot this movie called The Village in Pennsylvania. And what was really funny was, um, <laughs> I... Went in to shoot a scene and then I had to catch a flight to Pennsylvania. And they were all like, oh, Judy has to go make her big movie. Oh, Judy Greer is gonna be in a big M night Shyamalan movie. Like, oh, you probably think you're like giving me a hard time. Like you're so cool going out to, to do a movie and we're just doing <laughs> this like TV show that no this little show. Yes. Like, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This this little show, this little thing. That has just, I mean, between that and 13 going on 30. And Jennifer Garner and I always say, like, it's almost like we've never done any other job before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know where the the running joke about Kitty flashing everyone uh, came from? Was that something that was in the script or, or that just they kept uh, bringing back?
2: If they told me, I don't remember. They just, <laughs> yeah, they just kept doing it. Um, so, yeah. Kitty was supposed to have a wandering eye, but like I'm not that good. <laughs> I was like, I can't make my eye wander. Can anyone? But yeah, um you do
1: the you do the cross-eyed on the glasses off. So but... yes,
2: I I said I can give you a cross eye, but I can't make it wander. <laughs>
1: um between that show and um also Archer, yeah. um, you you worked with uh with Jessica Walter yeah. um, on both. And um, you know, I just was wondering if you had any uh memories of of working with her that you were able to share
2: um oh i mean tons the scene where kitty and and um lucille drink have the drinking contest is from arrested was one of like my favorite things ever to shoot uh she's so cool and she was so classy with archer it's always a drag because we don't record together ever so i only would see everybody when we would do press or go to comic-con or something so it was always a treat to see jessica um at those press events and she always kept her purse on her shoulder. shoulders like never never walk away from your purse never leave your purse you're <laughs> a new yorker of course you're yeah, like very old school i know and uh I don't know. Oh, and you know what else? Sorry. I worked with her years and years and years when I first moved to LA on this TV show called Oh Baby. That was like a half hour sitcom for Lifetime that she was on. And I did one episode of it. And uh, that was the first time I met her. And I just moved to LA and I didn't know what I was doing. And she was so nice to me. And she said, you're so talented. You're so great. She was so complimentary to me. And I wasn't even really like I don't know. I had like a small role in the episode and it was really fun to shoot. And And so then when we got like put back together on Arrested, she was just like, oh, I, she was just so nice to me and saying like, I remember when you first moved to LA and you first started on Oh Baby, I just knew you were going to be so special. And I don't know. I think she, for whatever reason, had made up her mind about me. And so we always, we bonded and kind of stuck together at those things. And 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 it's so crazy that like when i record these episodes now of archer it's just so strange to not see mallory on the page um but i was really touched by how they said goodbye to her on the show it was really beautiful
1: um you know i think it was it was kind of disturbing for all of us to see get a little bit of a glimpse into the negative experience that she had on arrested yeah. you know when that interview came out with which you were not involved in but all the other cast when yeah. the show came back um which is like could have been a scene out of reboot um <laughs> it and probably
2: will be if we get things <laughs> uh
1: yeah. um but i'm i was just curious what your reaction to that whole story was and it was for anyone who doesn't know you know she really spoke out about how you know feeling uh uncomfortable about certain situations on the set and and especially around uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Um, So when you, when you read that or or heard that, what was your reaction to it?
2: Um, I like, I didn't have any of those experiences, honestly. So it was a little shocking to me, frankly. Um, And then I listened to the interview because some people were telling me about it. They were asking about it at the time. And I listened to the interview and Like hearing Jessica cry just made me cry, just hearing it. I don't know. I don't, I guess I probably don't want to talk about that because it was so, it was so shocking to me Um, and so sad. And anytime someone's so upset, I just get really upset because I have no boundaries in any healthy way. So I don't know. And then it's also weird to like, kind of have been in the environment and been like, what, really? Like, like, how did I not pick up on that? Or, you know, all those things. So it just broke my heart.
1: Yeah, it was tough.
2: It didn't seem to affect how the fans feel about the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I guess not. I mean, well, yeah, it probably affected uh, Jeffrey Tambor's yes, career in some ways, but it did. But no, I mean, the show is the show, and it's you know, it's a, it still has this incredible, you know, comedy legacy. I think.
2: Yeah. Um, and it
1: certainly doesn't diminish her performance on it in any way, which was yeah. so good you know, you mentioned Archer and, and, and that you, you know, it's, that's probably the show, the character that you've been playing the longest, um, yeah. right on, on that yeah. show that's been going on forever. And, ever, uh, and
2: ever. <laughs> Cheryl,
1: is there freedom in animation, uh, work like that, that, that you, that you don't have in, in live action? And what has it been like to kind of play that animated character for so long?
2: Um, I will say that when i started doing archer we're about to do our 14th season crazy so and it took a long time to get that first season up so it's been even longer that i've been living with cheryl carol charlotte charlene like all the day (laughs) um i was younger and uh i obviously was younger um i i found it very freeing in the beginning to be in the recording booth and to record this person and to make all the faces and be ugly and like jump up and down, like do all the crazy stuff that I like to do to give my performance that energy and that feeling. And since I've started doing Archer all those years ago, I feel less bashful doing that in real life on set. So a lot of like, like, Cheryl got rid of a lot of my vanity, I think in a way that has been really helpful for me as an actor, like having Mm -hmm. the privacy of the recording booth, although I do have to deal with Josiah, the engineer who records all my episodes, just like (laughs) rolling his eyes for how many, like over 10 years now being like, so creepy to watch you. Um, but like, I don't, (laughs) um, that, like that has given me a lot of space and confidence to be like, well, I can do that on set. I can make that ugly face. I can whatever. Like that's...
1: Yeah, it's like you can in yeah, She's
2: been a good teacher for me. She has. And, and I've always thought like actors who are really concerned with how they look and the lighting and like all that stuff. Like I think it just never doesn't affect their performance. And so I've found like, yeah, I have learned through being alone and unjudged minus Josiah um, that uh, I can do that on set in live action things too.
0: Why would anyone want to kidnap you?
2: Because (sighs) my last name isn't Gimple like it says on my W4. It's Tunt.
0: Tum again. Come on, nothing. Not
2: the Tunts. Wait, how do I know that name? Uh, ever been on a railroad? Oh! <gasps>
0: yes. Holy shit. It's not a big deal. They're everywhere. Yeah. They crisscross the nation, Lana.
2: And her great grandfather
0: built them all. Wait, what? Do you expect me to believe you're a descendant of Cornelius
2: Tunt? Yeah. All, whatever, five Cornelii. And George Washington Tunt of the, the Tuntmore House. Yes, I spent like every summer there listening to my creepy great grandmother bitch about Abraham Lincoln. Apparently slavery was pretty awesome.
0: Prove it. What's to prove? It's free labor. Not that ass. What?
2: Prove you're really
0: a tunt.
1: So, you know, you, you've done so many movies and TV shows in your career. Um, you know, you famously have like now almost 160 credits on IMDb <laughs> and all these things. And, you know, obviously we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I did want to kind of run through some of uh, some of the highlights. uh of some of these films, and just see if there's a, a story or memory that that comes to mind, or sort of first thing that comes to mind when I mention them. Okay. Um, and maybe we can start with the uh, thirteen going on thirty because you mentioned that as the other thing that people uh, always ask you about. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, what
1: what uh what comes to mind when you when you think about making that movie?
2: Well, um, Jen Garner and our incredible director, Gary Winnick, who is no longer with us, um, the love and kindness and, and like goodness that was on that set, like seeing her and how hard she worked and what she did every day, like, like how hard she wanted to make everyone feel special and welcome and important was some like, was like, movie star school like everyone should should be like that to being 30 i've decided it's going to be totally awesome of course it is you're thin you're hot you can get any guy you want yeah not to mention Bianch, the hottest
0: magazine editor in the world
2: second hottest tied for first (laughs) Dia. So I will say that it did feel really special. It was a bigger role for me as a supporting role. It was a bigger one. It was more important. She had a real journey. Um, my character
1: more than one scene.
2: More than one scene. She had a, a beginning, middle, and end. And um, and we did reshoots for some. A few things we did reshoots on and. Gary Winnick brought me back for the scene where I'm like getting out of an elevator. And I was like, this seems weird that I'm here. And he's like, I just couldn't do a reshoot without you, but no, I probably won't use this. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> um, anyway, it was a really fun shoot. What's your next one?
1: Um, well maybe you have a story. This is a, a celebrity you might have a story about is, um, Mel Gibson and what women want. What do you remember about working with Mel Gibson? just good and light and positivity. And
2: (laughs) I remember that he was going through this phase where he was eating like raw beef every day. And I, that's pretty foul. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it was like a certain grade and some kind of (laughs) special movie star diet. But I remember like walking by, like he had a a table and chairs or picnic table or something outside of his trailer. And I would walk by him and he would be like sitting without a shirt on eating a plate of like raw beef. I was like, this is like the weirdest. This is so <laughs> weird. My life is This' That's a good introduction weird. to Hollywood. Yes,
1: yes. Another uh, rom-com role in The Wedding Planner with J-Lo. Yeah. Um, any, any memories uh, about her that stand out?
2: Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I was shooting The Wedding Planner and What Women Want at the same exact time. And those characters could not be more different. So I would like work a couple days on The Wedding Planner. where I'm like, Penny, and I'm like, what? And then like I have to go shoot what women want, where I'm like, sorry, sorry, sir, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like that was a really funny moment in time where I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like to go from one character to the other, like every other day it felt like sometimes. Um I remember thinking like that um like Jennifer Lopez was so beautiful, like when I first saw her without any makeup on or anything. And I remember that, speaking of improv, uh, our director, Adam, was so... I know I was just bitching about having to improv, um, but he was always like, say whatever you want, just give me one from the script. And so I really flattered a lot of my improvs ended up in the movie. So a lot of the stuff I say in The Wedding Planner, stuff I just was like making up,
1: um, one of my uh, favorite movies, Adaptation, uh, mm. with, uh, with Nicolas Cage, you have the scene um, where you're the waitress that he's awkwardly asking out. Hello. Um,
0: there are more than 30,000 kinds of orchids in the world.
2: Wow, that's a lot, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll be right back with an extra large slice of key lime pie for my orchid expert.
0: But so anyway, I was also wondering... I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday for an orchid show, and I, and I, I...
2: Oh. I'm sorry. Well, um... I apologize. So I'll just be right back with your pie then.
1: What was that movie like with, uh, with Charlie Kaufman and that whole, uh...
2: It was awesome. I mean, he's a genius. All of them are geniuses, all the people who made that movie, um... I remember after it came out like a fair number of men coming up to me and being like, you're a bitch. I'm like, are you an idiot who asks out waitresses and bartenders? Fuck you. Like I was like, don't come up, don't come up to me and tell me that like, it was offensive to some people like how I was like, "Could you be so mean to him? Like, Hey, um, you know, it's a movie, right? And B, like, why are you hitting on your waitress? Like, please.
1: Yeah, and his character is kind of a loser, and that's part of the point, too,
2: of the I scene. know, and of course, it's like, it breaks my heart, like, at the time, I was like, oh, can't she just, but <laughs> but no, she couldn't, and um, anyway, it was really a really cool project, I felt like I was in the Cool Kids Club when I got that movie, I still feel There's like I'm a... in the Cool Kids Club because of that movie, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, another one, uh, about going back to Alexander Payne, is The Descendants, yeah. um, uh, which you write in your book about how that got you the Oscars for the first time because it was nominated for, for Best Picture. Yeah. Um,
2: that movie, a... it changed the course of my career. Yeah. Like, like I started to get a lot more dramatic roles after that came out, than after people saw that movie. Which is funny because in the theater, my, my scene, my big scene often would get a big laugh
1: um <laughs> really yeah do you think that's because of people knowing you from comedy or just because well, people thought it, it was funny or? the way
2: it kind of cuts together where i'm like i get really upset and then george is like okay 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 yeah and i think that's yeah. kind of what gets the laugh but like
1: yeah he kind of gets the laugh yes. your, your your stuff's pretty intense still
2: right elizabeth i'm julie i'm brian's wife I just want to tell you. I just want to tell you I forgive you. I forgive you for trying to take Brian away. I forgive you for trying to destroy my family. Because I just, I have to forgive you. I just have to forgive you, even though I should hate you. Okay. That's
0: I enough. just have to forgive you. Really, honestly, I think
2: that's enough. But yeah, things changed a lot after that movie came out and people saw that. And I don't know if it was necessarily the scene itself or the fact that like Alexander Payne put me in a movie. So that gave me some street cred or what. But things changed a lot after that, that I started to get to look at roles that I hadn't really gotten to in the past and like do some more like dramatic things. I got to like, I don't know, cry a lot more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you you mentioned earlier that you have, um, you know, some indie films coming up. And I believe one of them is this movie, Eric LaRue, which is uh, Michael Shannon's directorial debut. Did you already shoot that? Or? Yes.
2: I We just finished like three, two and a half weeks ago. I just got wow, home. Yeah.
1: And it sounds like a very intense, uh, dramatic performance that, that you're also, you know, the lead of, of this movie. Yes. Um and the real lead, not an not an ensemble lead.
2: Yes. I definitely <laughs> was there more than everybody else. <laughs>
1: um and you're playing the is it the mother of a um a kid who's killed in a shooting or
2: yes. Yes. Uh no, the mother of a school shooter.
1: Oh right. Yeah. That, that's that's so, even even more intense in some ways. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was it was a lot. I'm so excited though. I'm so excited for my um he was so incredible the experience was so incredible uh yeah i'm just i mean it's still really fresh and i kind of like came home from it and hit the ground running doing press for reboot so i don't even feel like i've had time to process that experience um so uh yeah it like just was such a 180 like when my my plane landed i'm like comedy funny like but uh, yeah, no,
1: that sounds sounds really heavy. Um, I know, and, but you know, exciting like, too. Michael Shannon's
2: not going to direct a broad comedy for his first. <laughs> like, I think, yeah. I think we're all expecting this from him. <laughs>
1: yeah, although he can be very funny too.
2: No, he's one of the funniest people I know. But I keep like texting him, being like, "How's the blooper reel going for the end credits?" Like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's like, Judy. Yeah.
1: So before we go, um we do have a final segment called the first laugh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some first. Do you remember the first big laugh that you got on screen in something where maybe you, you were at the premiere, you saw something and you saw that something you were doing in a, in a film or a TV show or anything got a big laugh? Uh,
2: yeah. And My first movie, my first acting job was called Kissing a Fool with uh, David Schwimmer and Jason Lee and Neely Avital. And, and I... We shot the movie and I came to L.A. to go to the premiere for the movie. And when I saw people at the premiere laughing at me, I was like, whoa.
1: <laughs> I, I usually ask people about audition stories. I'm sure you've had a million um, yeah. you know, auditions either that went well or, or didn't go well. Is there, yeah, a, both. <laughs> is there an audition uh, story that is you know, a particularly funny one that stands out in your memory, um, either because it went well or, or maybe didn't go well?
2: There was one for a pilot that I didn't get where, um, I was late and it was on the universal lot and I like parked my car in the wrong place. And I was like running through the parking garage and I was wearing these really cool boots that I love these like black leather ankle boots. And I was running on foot the opposite way of the tire spike and like ripped my boot open. Like fuck. So I'm like running to the audition, and I get in. And they're like, "Oh, great, here you are. Um, come on in." And I was like, "Okay," and I came in, and they like did my audition, and they were like staring at me blankly, and then I left, and I was like standing there, and I was like, "God damn it!" And I like bang on the door, and I was like, "I'm so sorry. I, I really am sorry. I'm a really, I'm a much better actor than that." I just like I was like running late, and I ripped open my boot, which is my favorite boot, and I like probably can't even afford to get another pair of boots, but that's not your problem. And I'm just wanted to say. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. Uh, I just, I couldn't leave with with that being it. And thank you. And then I like shut the door and walked away. And then they came back and I'm like, wait, 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 that was better than your audition. What you just said, (laughs) come back in, come back in. And so I did. And I can't remember if I got the part or not. I can't remember what happened with it, but I remember just thinking like, and always feeling like in an audition, like this is my time. And I need to make sure when I walk out of that room, I have I have left it all in there. Like whatever that means. Like that I walk out feeling like I can, I I, no regrets.
1: And don't, and don't rush through it just because you're, you feel like they want you to.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I could have easily been like, can I have a minute please? And, uh, and that's
1: good advice for anyone. Um, Do you have a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened?
2: Uh. Obviously, because I'm laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, like, I don't do a lot of sex scenes in my job. I don't really always play those characters. And so I'm not, I mean, I just think it's weird no matter what, right? So I, uh, I'm i kind of shy about it. And I got cast in this movie called Wilson with Woody Harrelson and Laura Dern. Oh my God. Uh, Craig Johnson directed one of my favorite jobs I've ever been in, by the way totally underrated film that I feel like everyone should have seen and they both should have been nominated, yada, yada, yada. So, um, I get cast in this great role. I'm Woody Allen, Woody Allen, (laughs) Woody Harrelson's love interest. And we have a sex. That would be,
1: that (laughs) would be different.
2: Very different. Um, another podcast. Uh, I, so I have a sex scene with him. And so when I'm preparing for the role, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go. And when we're on set, I'm just going to go for it because usually what happens is you don't go for it. And you have to just do it a bunch of times until you get there. And I'd rather just like do it once or twice and be done, right? So we go on set. I can't remember if we were rehearsing or if it was a take. And I just like really go for it. And Craig, the director is like, cut. It's like, okay, so maybe take it down a notch. And I'm <laughs> so mortified because I was like "This is the first time in my career that I've been like, you got this. You can do it. It's fine. It's going to be great. And to be told like, no. No, that wasn't. Good. That
1: was too much. Really
2: too much. I was like, oh yeah, no, totally, yes, hundred percent. That's way not. No, that's good. Right. Thank what did, you. What
1: did Woody Harrelson think?
2: He's so lovely and wonderful. He's just like.
1: <laughs> he was just like uh, whatever. He's
2: like, yeah, maybe a little. He he's not gonna say anything. I think, you know, like he's such a good egg and and. But yes, I was remembering that when you asked that question and still like giggling <laughs> about it, like embarrassing, like giggling, but Hey, go big or go home. Right. I remember reading it. I remember reading an article before this movie, um, with Darren Aronofsky about black swan. And I guess the first, um, take of the love scene between Mila Kunitz and Natalie Portman was like very timid and shy. And he was like, look, I know you guys are uncomfortable. If you don't want to like the, the the less you get into it, the longer we're going to be here and the longer you're going to have to do this. You might as well just fucking go for it. Those are my paraphrase of the article and they do. And I remember reading that and that was like partly what led to this thinking of like, I'm just so
1: for it, yeah, but it wasn't Darren Aronofsky directing, so maybe uh, no. <laughs> that's not what they were going for. Oh, no, uh, finally, I like to ask my guests what's making them laugh right now. Is there anything you've seen recently that really made you laugh hard that you want to shout out? Um, a uh, comedian, a TV show, a movie, anything that, that made you laugh, uh, recently? <laughs>
2: um, I know it's not a comedy, but. Many moments in The Bear. Oh, yeah. I I know it's not supposed to be. a lot of funny stuff in The Bear. Yeah, I love... We binged that show last weekend. And, I mean, The Bear and Hacks. I'm just like... I feel like I've been given two magical gifts. That as long as I can stream television, I can watch... um, Yeah, like those... Like, The Bear... Just so recently that I watched it, and having worked in restaurants in Chicago, yeah, like is like ooky and awesome at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, did it give you PTSD?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And <laughs> <laughs> being like, shh, <"Shuff>, shh. <laughs> and I was a waitress, so I was out. You know, I wasn't in the kitchen. Thank God, I don't have that kind of uh, personality. I couldn't have handled it, but. Um, but it was giving me PTSD and it was also like making me feel so happy and like so homesick for Chicago
1: oh it's so good and
2: hungry
1: <laughs> congrats on on Reboot um and, and everything that you've done and um, this was really really fun to talk to you and um, yeah good luck with everything that comes next
2: thank you so much
1: well I have to tell you that I really enjoyed that conversation with Judy Greer and I hope you all did too New episodes of Reboot stream Tuesdays on Hulu and there is still time to catch up before the season finale on October 25th. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com.